Job 42, verses 7 through 10. If you've been with us for a few weeks, you know I'm working this text. This text really speaks uh, to us in this season. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, who's the oldest of the three friends, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you. And I will accept his prayer on your behalf. And I will not treat you as you deserve. For you've not spoken accurately about me regarding my servant Job. As my servant Job. So Eliphaz, Bilidad, Zophar did as the Lord commanded them. Then. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer on their behalf. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much, shout twice as much, as he had before. Lord, would you just pour your spirit out afresh? We want fresh revelation for those of us who are here and those who may be listening by podcast or video. Would you do it in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Shout, don't believe it. it. Last week we took on a way of thinking that we have often internalized. It goes kind of like this. uh, That I don't need anyone's help. And we did a whole message on that, how that isolates us and stops us from living our best lives. I just want to call out, I can't see the time back there, whoever's working that. I need to see the time. Uh, everybody shout, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Actually, I can't see the time, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe that you can, get a, you can get alone in this world without getting help from somebody else. Today, I want to take on another thing that we internalize. Uh, it is, uh, comes out like this. Um, I can't forgive you. Everybody say can't. Can't. I can't forgive you. Sometimes we may not say it, but that's what we actually feel in our hearts because there's some deep woundedness and we feel completely justified in saying, Uh, either in behavior or words, I can't forgive you. And what another way of saying, everybody shout can't. What you're really saying is I won't forgive you. I want to back into that, but that's not where I want to start uh, today because uh, if you're joining us for the first time, let me give you a quick summary of where we are as it relates to the the book of Job and his friends. Job, you may recall, is... Uh, starts off as a wealthy, righteous, super successful person. He runs into a series of calamities that totally wipes out his 10 kids, his wealth, and ultimately his health. He has three friends who visit him, and out of a place of love, they try to help him to realize that if this stuff is happening to you, uh, it must be because you have done something wrong. And so repeatedly from chapter 4 to chapter 31, they are drilling a wedge 
between themselves and, and their relationship with Job uh, because uh, as an act of love, listen to what I'm saying, because it's coming from a real place of love, uh, as an act of love, they are saying a lot of unloving things. You know that you can damage and wound genuinely trying to love people by saying the most unloving things. And so, quick examples. Uh, Job loses all ten of his kids, and they say to Job, well, if that happened, it must mean that they sinned and God was punishing them. Unloving thing. Uh, Job was wealthy, lost his wealth, and they say, well, if you lost your wealth, it must mean that you sinned and God is punishing you. Unloving thing. And it went on and on like that. Finally, God reveals himself to the friends. We're reading in the text, and he basically says, you guys are completely wrong. He also reveals himself to Job and shows Job where he's missed some things. And then we come to this text. What a remarkable text. Verse 7, uh, God says to Eliphaz, who's the oldest of the three friends, I'm angry with you. The, the Hebrew really means that my, 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 my anger has, has, is, is boiling over. And, 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 and really what God is saying is that, is that you have wounded my servant Job. And when you wound my servant, uh, uh, you wound me. Any of you have kids, you get this. If, if, if somebody does something bad to your kids, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you're going to want to fight. Because <laughs> if you wound my kids, you wound me. That's what God says about how we treat one another. You're not just wounding each other, you're wounding me. Now that's an insight that pops out of the text. And then he goes on to say, so here's the deal. You got to make this right. Now, at this point, I want you to understand that between verses 8 and 10, you're going to experience two sides. Everybody say two sides of the same coin of healing. See, because sometimes, brothers and sisters, we walk in Job's friend's shoes. We're the ones saying the unkind, unloving things in the name of love. We're the ones, whether unintentionally or intentionally, doing the wounding. And so this text speaks to us about what I want to call how to apologize in a way that facilitates healing. Come here, Joe, friends, God says, I'm upset. You want to make it right with me? You want to make it right with Joe? Yes, sir. Here's what we want you to do. I want you to get seven bulls and seven rams. And I want you to sacrifice those bulls and those rams. And I want you to go to Job in the midst of that sacrifice and do it as an act of repentance, which means you're going to basically, seven means complete. You're saying, I'm going to assume complete responsibility for my stuff. Come on now. And, and, and I'm repenting. In other words, Job... Uh, I, I want to apologize to you. I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody shout, I'm sorry. All right, all right, all right. Now I want to do a little teaching here. Uh, Solomon, come on up here. Give Solomon a hand. Praise he's, he's about to risk his life. 
I have a knife here. <laughs> and I want you to know that oftentimes, uh, the next time that you uh, are wounding people, I want you to imagine this knife because that's what our words are, are like in many instances. Our wives' words are like this knife and some of our actions are like this knife and we take this knife and we, ah, and ah, and ah. Solomon is laying here. Blood is spilling all out of his wounds. The blood is waking its way down the steps. And it is now my responsibility having a revelation. Shout revelation. revelation. That I, I've done something wrong. I've said something wrong. I've called them to be in this situation. And so I need to say I'm sorry. And the first level we often do is we usually say, I'm sorry, period. Let's practice it. Come on, say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Period. Period. Let me show you. You see all the blood all over me. He's lying in a puddle of blood. And I say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why you're not getting up. I said, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 I say, okay, okay, okay. Look, I'm sorry. Come on, let's go to work. Sorry, period means, I'm just saying sorry, I want to turn the page. But is that facilitating his healing? The stage is full of blood. Oh, here's the next thing that we do. We say, uh, I'm sorry, but. Let's practice this. Come on, say, I'm sorry, but. Let me show you how this works. I'm sorry, but. If you hadn't have been in the way, I wouldn't have, I had, wouldn't have had to cuss you out. I'm sorry, but. Uh, if you hadn't have messed with me, I wouldn't have done it. I'm sorry, but. you to get up and walk with me here's where healing helps this is the seven bulls and the seven rams as talked about in the text uh, uh, it, it comes this is the, the magnitude of the of what's happening in the text basically here's how you do it my man I'm sorry because I'm sorry because I I realized that because I didn't pay the bills last week, uh, it's put us in a financial situation and it's undermined your security in our relationship. I'm, I'm sorry because uh, I, I, I broke curfew and now I've shattered your trust and you don't know whether you can trust me or not. I'm sorry because uh, screaming at you the other day uh, brought up the trauma from a previous relationship and, and it just put you in a bad place. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry because I, I, I realize the magnitude of, of, of how I've hurt you. And I want you to know I get it. Seven bulls and seven rings. How can I help you? Let me, let me tell, tell me how, 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 how can I, I help you get back up on your feet. Give God a hand, praise. I'm sorry, because... 
what facilitates healing for your spouse, for that adult child, for that grandparent that you wounded, for that colleague that you're working with. I'm sorry. Because when I say I'm sorry, because I'm, 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 I'm saying to you, I get the magnitude of my my, my words and my actions on you, seven bulls, seven rams. Do you know how big a bull is? One bull. Look, here's a picture of one bull. <laughs> Say one bull. One bull. Can you imagine seven of these big bulls? I've got to slaughter them. I've got to put them up on an altar seven of them, the work that I have to do to sacrifice these bulls plus seven rams, it's, and when I do this, I'm saying ultimately, look at this, look, 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 look at this, there's a ram. I'm saying, wow, look how bad I messed up on you, Job. <laughs> Guess what? It facilitates Job's healing. But it also facilitates your growth. Because I promise you, when you finish slaughtering seven bulls, you finish slaughtering seven rams, you finish sacrificing, you finish working through that blood, And inside of that, asking Job to forgive you. I promise you, the next time you run into the same Job moment, you're going to remember you slaughtered seven rams. Seven bulls. And the likelihood of you repeating it shifts. Well, if it's that simple, pastor, tell the person next to you, I like that kind of apology. Tell them. <laughs> now, tell the person who spoke to you, tell them, you need to give that kind of apology. That's <laughs> how God changes us. Why is it so hard, Herman, then, if this is the case? Pastor! Did you notice the posture that I was in when I said, I'm sorry because I wasn't standing up with a straight back? No. When I said, I'm sorry because I had to go down on my knees to say that I'm sorry because and to work through the magnitude of my words, actions on your, sometimes it's huge, sometimes it may be smaller, but to work it through means that I have to humble myself. And pride sometimes won't let me want to get down on my knees. But I hope the very next time you run into this situation, which probably will be uh, in the next uh, 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> that you remember this word. You remember God speaking to you. You remember him saying, Humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, watch this, it creates growth in your character. 
And after humbling yourself, I'm sorry because enough times it'll become easier and easier. You know why? Because your character will have expanded. Give God a hand praise. All right, now let's get to the second part. So sometimes we're standing in Job's shoes. We're the ones who do the wounding. Sometimes, I'm excuse me, sometimes we're standing in Job's friend's shoes. We're the ones that do the, that we, we do the wounding. And sometimes we stand in Job's shoes. We're the ones wounded. Oh, this is where verse 10 just keeps speaking to me. And Job prayed for his friends and God restored. Job prayed for his friends. Who are we trying to say? Well, forgiveness. The first part I want you to get about you and I working on forgiveness, even though we say, I can't forgive you. I, I, I can't believe, I can't forgive you. Shout, don't believe, it. don't believe it. The first thing it requires is humility and empathy. Let me show you. Uh, the Paul says in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means realize that we've all messed up. And that where Job had bulls and rams sacrificed uh, in, in order to work it through, Ultimately, Jesus Christ became the great sacrifice for us. We've all messed up. And you say, well, Job, how, how was it that you had enough humility to forgive these guys when they were coming to you? Well, because Job, in a few verses earlier, had confronted his own stuff. See, the mistake that the to the three friends made was that when they saw Job going through what he was going through, their theological and philosophical understanding only had room for two options. Either option one, Job, you have sinned, or option two, God has mistreated you. In their minds, they could not uh, accommodate God mistreating and say, Job, you must have sinned. Now, in Job's mind, he had room for only two options. Either A, he had sinned, but he knew he hadn't sinned, so B, he concluded, and he said repeatedly through twenty-some uh, uh, chapters, "God is mistreating me." So when you get a chance to read it, you'll discover that in the latter chapters, around thirty-seven, thirty-eight, God speaks to Job out of the whirlwind, the same storm that Job was in, and suddenly God, Job realized, "Oh my God, uh, you've been in the storm with me all along." Then God reveals how remarkable loving he is and his power through creation in a variety of different ways. And so finally, Job realizes that obviously he didn't know God's character. So he says in verse 5 and 6 of chapter 2, uh, he says this, I had only heard about you before I thought I knew you, God. But now since you've revealed how remarkable your love is for me and surrounds me, I've seen you. I've had a revelation with my own eyes. I, I see where I went wrong. So I take back everything I said. How you're dogging me out. And I sit in the dust 
and I repent. You see? Because neither Job nor his friends made room for the third option. What was going on with him? It was evil in the world. So when the friends came, Job knew that he had made the same mistake that they had made. Somebody say humility. humility. Somebody say empathy. 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 It was June 2015. The church was named Mother Emmanuel Amy in the South. A young white male, Dillian Roof, knocks on the door about 6 o'clock. They let him in. They're having Bible study. He comes and sits with him. About an hour of studying with them, he pulls out a gun and he starts killing people. When it's all over, nine faithful parishioners who welcomed him was murdered. A couple of weeks later, the Washington Post led the way capturing his arraignment. What stunned them, and now they've made a variety of documentaries that's so powerful, is that on the day of his arraignment, Several of the family members, one after the other, who chose to speak, got up and essentially said to him, you have wounded us beyond words you've taken from us in a way that cannot be replaced, our loved ones. But I forgive you. May God bless your soul. One after the other after the other. Most of us in our lives do not contend with that magnitude of woundedness, although it is probably true that at some point over the course of our history, we've had at least one episode, maybe a rape or a sexual abuse or a violent act or an abandonment by a parent that left us feeling as though our soul was ripped out and that is perhaps the place where unforgiveness is. Why can't we do that? Well, first of all, it's extremely difficult. And there are some barriers that we have. There are some fears that we have. Uh, so let me just, just, just walk through it this way. Uh, 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 we're, we're confused about what that kind of forgiveness means. That kind of forgiveness does not mean condoning or endorsing the horrible act. When they said, I forgive you, they weren't condoning or endorsing. That kind of forgiveness does not mean when you forgive like that, that you're, for, that you're forgetting the trauma and the pain. No way in the world they will ever be able to forget that trauma and that pain. That, that kind of act does not mean that somehow they now have to include this person into their personal lives. By no means will they be inviting him over for dinner. He's murdered. You know what this point is? This is an important point. There are some people that are so destructive you have to draw hard boundaries. But that doesn't stop you from forgiving. And lastly, it, 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 it does not always mean that you've got to talk to the person. They faced them. But some of the people who wounded us, they're dead. Here's what T.D. Jakes describes it. Here's, here, he, he puts it masterfully when he says it this way. He says, uh, uh, he says, 
I think the first step is to understand that forgiveness does not exonerate the perpetrator. Forgiveness liberates the victim. It's a gift you give to your Now we understand why Jesus would say in Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. He says it powerfully. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Watch this. But if you refuse, everybody shout refuse. Come on, if you refuse, shout refuse. If you refuse, say it, refuse. If you refuse, determine in your heart that I will not do it. To forgive, I refuse to give others. Your father will not forgive your sins. It's a radical statement. What does he actually mean? Here's what he's meaning. He's going to say, ultimately, the way we receive the forgiveness that the father provides for us, ultimately, is that we, 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 we receive it by faith. We accept it. And what Jesus is saying is, is that, obviously, you haven't fully accepted the total magnitude of grace and forgiveness that comes from the Father into your life. Because if you fully accepted it, you would be bound to practice it. Remember, because it came through his son dying on Calvary's cross. And that was the only way to redeem you and me. So, forgiveness is believer, follower, required. Why? Because God has a bigger picture in place. It's not just about you. Look at, at Jesus talking in Luke chapter 6. This is what he says. I want you to catch this. In, in Luke chapter 6 he says, but to you who are willing to listen today, I say, watch this, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Why am I doing good to them? Why am I blessing them? Why, 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 why am I loving those who hate me? Because what, what Jesus is teaching, that unless you do it that way, you will become victimized by the same hatred. And the toxicity will turn you into an enemy. Of others and an enemy with God. So here's a couple of things you need to know. Number one, forgiveness starts with a choice. Shout choice. choice. Those folk in the manual church, they made the choice. Right. Number two, we learned yesterday from the men's conference that it requires that we grieve our hurt. Shout grieve. grieve. Cry and write about it and go to therapy. Talk to a pastor about it and work it through. It may take months to begin to work it through, but, but you've got to grieve the hurt. You can't just press it down. You've got to look at it. Work it through. Grieve it. And sometimes we grieve it. And then number three, uh, uh, it, it often happens over time. A fascinating thing about the story of Job is that in chapter 10, he gets things back twice. In, ch- in verse, uh, excuse me, verse 10 of chapter 42, he gets everything back plus. In verse 11, it says that his family and his friends, they came over him, watch it, came over to his house to comfort him, meaning that even after he had been abundantly blessed, come on now, he was still grieving what he had lost previously. And I'm still sure he was still working through new layers of forgiveness 
for his friends. You work it through. A year later, you discover some more hurt. You work it through. A year later, you, just, you work it through. You work it through. And then, so, everybody asks, how? how? Oh my gosh. It's prayer. Here's what Jesus said. Did you not see what he said at the end of verse six, uh, chapter 6? He says, pray for them. Oh, right now, this is where it gets, it's, everybody say prayer, just toss it around. Let me explain to you what kind of prayer. First of all, prayer has a lot of different kinds of prayers. One is praise and adoration. That's where we just acknowledge the greatness and the goodness of God and celebrate his power. We do that through a lot of worship songs here on Sunday mornings. Another is thanksgiving. That's where we just give God thanks. And listen, I've been watching recently. I know everybody seems to be going on some diet or another. Some people are... They're going on a liquid diet. Some people are going on a meat and fruit diet. Uh, they got all these different diets, and I support that. That's all wonderful. Let me suggest a diet for you this week. Why don't you take a spiritual diet of, of, of watch this, uh, uh, that this week, this is your week of Thanksgiving diet. You know what that means? That means that in your prayer time this week, you're not going to ask God for nothing. You're not going to deal with it. you just going to spend, whenever you pray, you just going to give God thanks. Monday, I'm going to thank him. Tuesday, I'm going to thank him. In the morning, in the morning I'm going to spend a week just giving God thanks. Do a Thanksgiving diet. Come on now. God will help you. It's going to help you. Well, that's a kind of prayer, Thanksgiving. Then, of course, there's confession. That's when we confess our sins to God. We need, we need that. That's another prayer. Then, of course, yeah, another prayer petition. We all get that. That's when we're asking God for stuff. God, I need a car. God, I need a spouse. God, will you get rid of this spouse? You know, we're just asking. <laughs> you know, we have needs. <laughs> Self-petition. That's what, that's, that's what we want God to do stuff for us. None of those are the prayers that Jesus is talking about. That's going to help us to work through our forgiveness. The prayer that he's talking about is intercessory prayer. Oh, the, the Greek for the word intercession is, uh, means to stand between God and the person that you're praying for. We see an example of this in chapter 1, verse 5, where Job prays for his children uh, after they finished partying all night. They parted. And then Job gets up and acts like the priest of his house, and he stands between God and them. And what he says is, God, I don't know what they did last night. They may have did some crazy stuff, but please, uh, uh, don't let your wrath come against them because they didn't really know what they were doing. They got, you know, they might have got a little high, God. Just come on, hang out. Give them some grace. Please, 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 please. God, God declares the same kind of prayer when he says, Job will pray and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. What he was saying is, I'm going to invite Job when you bring your bulls and I'm going to invite him to get between you and me. And I want Job to begin to pray this kind of prayer. Uh, uh, God, don't, 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 don't let your wrath come. Don't let your judgment come. There's more to the story. Shout, there's more to the story. Is this not what Jesus is doing on Calvary's cross in Luke chapter, uh, uh, in Luke chapter 23? Where he looks at the folk who are killing him and he went, by the way, we all included in this piece. He says, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. What? For they don't know. He's standing between the Father and between us. Come on. And he said, Father, there's more to the story. 
Some of you know that when I was born in San Francisco into a divorcing home, my father came to the hospital and looked at me and said, you're not mine. And I grew up with my granduncle and aunt in Cushata, Louisiana. And by the way, if I had to redo it all over again, if it was going to land me there in that house of grace, I said, let's do it the same way. And yet, you can imagine, there was still a wound attached when your birth dad says, I reject you. I was about maybe 40 years old. I had reconnected with my birth mom. And we were talking one day. And she said to me, Herman, there was, there's a lot more to the story than what you know. He said there was, she said there was a lot of chaos that was going on there. She said we were hurting one another. And she said, and what you don't know is I told your father that you weren't his. By implications, she had had an affair, and it was out of that woundedness that he rejected me. You see what I'm trying to tell you? There's always more to the story than what you know. That's what Jesus was saying. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. There's more at work here than what is visible. And that, that, that's what, what, what those, those wounded people in Emmanuel kind of understood. That, that it wasn't just that, that young villain who pulled the trigger. There was more to his story than what was on that. That he didn't just wake up one day and just say, I'm going to pull the trigger. There's a lot more there. Whoever wounded you, his eyes summarize it. Whatever it is, it falls in this category. Hurt people. Hurt other people. So in your intercessory prayer, that's how you work it through. You intercede, you say, God, there's more to the story. God, I know there's some hurt there. God, there's some mystery of pain that I don't understand. God, don't, 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 don't judge him, but, 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 but bring about, the surface the pain, surface the woundedness. God, speak healing. Bring some folk healing. And you get up, and, and once a week you pray that. Or, or, or maybe once a day for the next two weeks, you pray that kind of way. Or whenever it comes up, you just start praying that kind of way. And I guarantee you, the day will come when you will wake up and you will discover that as you pray that way for them, God has healed you. Yeah. That's the how. That's the tool that you use to get your forgiveness. Well, let me wrap this up his way. Notice verse 10 says so powerfully. When Job prayed, God restored. You now understand, don't you? When he prayed, intercessory, God restored. Here's what Mr. Lewis says as we get ready to wrap this up. Mr. Mr. Lewis uh, has an amazing quote he says this he says to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner 
Everybody say, was me. Let me illustrate as I finally conclude. Here's how restoration looks. Let's say this is your purpose. But you've been talking about you can't forgive. Today you have no excuse. You now know how to do it. But you're saying, I don't want to forgive. And this represents the person that you haven't forgiven. And you're trying to get to your purpose. You say, okay, I'm okay. But I got to get to my purpose. I got to get to my purpose. I, I got to get to my, I, I, I'm here. I got to get my purpose. Wait, I got I to, oh my Lord. And then you heard the message. And the message says, you got to forgive. And you learn that forgiving is finally letting go. Everybody shout, let go. Shout, let him go. Shout, let her go. Uh, the reason why we're pushed into addiction, the reason why we're going from divorce to divorce oftentimes is because we're still holding on to something. And that thing we're holding on has created a dark place in our heart and we can't even function at the level of God. Let it go. And when we let it go, God restores and we're able to pick up God's purpose for our lives and celebrate all the way into eternity. Come on, let's give God a hand praise. Shout amen.